Welcome to What the Heck with Lizzie Beck. I am your host, Lizzie Beck. Today's guest is joining me via Zoom from Los Angeles, California. She is a young, energetic comedian making a name for herself out here in Los Angeles. She started her career at the University of Southern California and studied sketch writing and stand-up comedy under John Bowman, Wayne Fetterman, and David A. Arnold. Her unique stand-up comedy style combines her natural silliness with anecdotal storytelling, which focuses on family dynamics, race relations, and current events. Her audience continues to grow and has garnered her nearly 10,000 social media followers to date. That is a lot of followers. She is my very good comedy buddy, Alexis Bradby. Alexis, welcome to the show. Hi, Lizzie. Thanks for having me. I'm so excited to have you and your young, energetic self <laughs> on the show. I was so cringy when you were reading it. I was like, oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> it's your bio. You make this. This is all oh, no. you. No, this is going to hype yourself up. <laughs> it's great stuff. I'm very excited to have you on the show today. I want to hear about your perspective and your experience as a Black female comedian. And just kind of hear from you, uh, not just as a comedian, just a Black female in general living in America. So as I told you before, this is a safe space. You can say anything you would like. I feel very safe. That's good. You know, (laughs) I want want my guests to always be safe here. Are you in a closet? (laughs) I am in a closet. You are my first guest in my new closet, in my new apartment. It is much larger than the other one, believe it. I almost couldn't tell it was a closet. It's so large. It's huge. (laughs) It's basically (laughs) a storage unit for my sister who left a ton of stuff when she moved to Hong Kong. Anyway, back to you. The first thing I like to do, Alexis, I would like you to tell my listeners how do we know each other? Oh, that's fun. Uh, So you can jump in if this is wrong, Lizzie, but my understanding is I definitely saw you at a few open mics, I think back to back to back, like maybe first like West Side and then Fanatic. And after like the third mic, I was like, you know what? This lady's funny. Let me say hello. And I think I just walked up and said, hi, you're funny. And then we started (laughs) talking. That sounds about right. History. The rest is history. (laughs) That's usually, I feel like that's the life of a comic. You go to these open mics and you see people. And once you see them a few times, you're like, okay, I can introduce myself to them now. We can know each other. Yeah. You have to make sure it's not a fluke. Like you have to see them like four times. Like, okay, no, they are funny. Like it wasn't a one time. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. Right. (laughs) <laughs> so Alexis, I have I have some questions for you. I'm very excited to hear your perspective on things and also just your experience in general. And mm-hmm. the first thing I, w- I want to talk to you about a little bit, one thing we hear a lot today in response to Black Lives Matter is people saying all lives matter. And mm-hmm. I'm wondering for you, first of all, what's your response to that? And what does the Black Lives Matter movement mean to you personally? Mm, Good question. So my personal response is 
I think it's a big semantics issue. So I use a lot of context. Like if someone I know who is an ally who is trying and they say all lives matter, but like they're not trying to say it in a disregarding way. Like they're trying to be like, and yeah, guys, all of our lives matter. Then like, I'm not going to attack that person or belittle them, make them feel bad when I know they're trying to do the right thing. I would just want to educate them and say like, actually, when you say that, this is how people feel and also can be connotated this way. So maybe lay off of that right now mm. kind of thing. Because I'm really big on like people unlearning and like sometimes, especially online, the way people get attacked when they say something that's not correct is not very helpful for anyone to learn what is correct. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I don't think it's helpful to say right now. I understand that some people want to say it as like a way to bring people together, but it just kind of is such a divisive thing. It's like, let's just keep the all lives out of this conversation right now. And mm, second part of the question, I forgot. <laughs> so what does, what does the Black Lives Matter movement mean to you, especially as a Black female? I feel like what it means for me is it's basically people acknowledging that racism is alive and well in this country. Because I feel like until people started saying Black Lives Matter, it's very much a thing where people didn't feel like racism was still a thing. Mm. I think it was very dismissed. I don't think people cared. Or if they, if people knew, they weren't acting like they cared. That's for sure. Yeah. Like if people were aware how Black people were being treated in this country, they were not vocal about it. And I think now it, Black Lives Matter is just a time for Black people and allies alike to vocalize how it's not fair that people are still being treated differently just based off the color of their skin. So I'm glad that it's getting some attention right now. And I hope that it's not a moment, but a movement. Yeah, me too. I hope you're right. I hope it doesn't just, you know, three months down the road, everything's back to the way it once was and people forget all about it. You know, this is something that's going to take a lot of time. So you grew up in Tennessee, right? Yeah. Grew up in the South. Can you kind of talk to me a little bit about what that was like, where, where you're from, the demographic of where you lived, where you grew up, the schools you went to, and your experience growing up there, and also your experience with racism as a child? Yeah, I think people, I saw this thing the other day, it was actually interesting, where people were saying like, the South gets such a bad rep. Like people think everyone from the South is like, oh my gosh, we're the Klan's members just outside of your house. It's like, <laughs> okay, people, like this is still, I mean, it's 2020. I mean, not that the Klan's member, they are alive and like obviously people are still mm -hmm. dying in very gruesome ways by them. But um, the South, the whole South is not like that. So I want to just start with that. I did grow up, it's interesting, like my community of like my family and like church, like my outside community was black people people like my cousins my family like my church was black but at school and like my extracurriculars is very just white mm. not even some I think I knew like maybe before I came to LA like 10 Asian people my whole life like there was yeah. just white and then a sprinkle of black and maybe a few other races really it's interesting because because I grew up around so many like white people in my school and education environment I think uh, I probably dealt with a lot more racism and like microaggressions, but like I was so ignorant. I mean, just the things that people share as you get older, like, oh crap, I shouldn't have been okay with that. Or like that shouldn't have happened, but it wasn't even a thought mm. in my mind because it was such a normal thing. Right, right. Uh, I feel like for sure when I do reflect back on things, definitely like hair was a very big thing that would always come up. People 
just thinking I'm gross just because my hair is different mm-hmm. like black hair you don't have to wash it every day and I feel like as a kid that would be like my biggest thing like I feel like people would just attack me because I didn't wash my hair every day and they would be like you're so gross I'm like I'm just black like leave me alone <laughs> um I don't so wash that, my hair every day so I know and I learned I that I'm gross I'm like no one washes their hair every day like, why <laughs> do they make me feel bad about that I don't understand that and then of course and I'm a, like for those uh listening who can't see me I'm a light-skinned black person so for me one thing which I know I'm not saying this is like a terrible experience but because I'm light-skinned that's a whole another thing where people think I'm like oh you're different like I hate Mm. black people but not you Alexis no you're different like that kind of crap so I feel like I got that a lot of people I hung out with especially for what I see them posting is like oh you racist racist but like you think we cool because we had a few memories in middle school. No. Oh, no. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, LA's been really eye opening for me as well. Just being around more diversity has been helpful. And, like, in a mixed setting, because, like I said before, it's so compartmentalized school, church, all that stuff, black, and then education, more, I guess, focused things were white. So, it's nice in LA to have like a balance of both of those communities in both aspects of my life. Yeah. And what brought you to LA? Did you come out here because of school? You went to USC, right? Yeah, I came for USC. I didn't really have any, I mean, I guess as a kid, I dreamed of like the big city, but I had no real plan of coming to LA until I got accepted in that school. And I was like, okay, guess I'm coming. Nice. Like you said, I think you experience a lot of racism and microaggressions as a kid, but at the time you didn't really, you didn't realize it. You didn't see it, right? Can you remember the first time you did experience it and actually recognized that that's what it was? As a kid? Um, Just, it, I mean, in general, like as an adult, like when do you feel was the first time you really recognized something like that? I think I would say the thing about, I can't remember the person or the examples, but for sure that thing happened where someone was saying something about Black people, but they're like, not you, but I don't know the details. So a story that I do remember the details for, I was traveling, it was abroad actually, which is weird that like one of my most racist, ex- outwardly racist experiences happened in a different country, but still, <laughs> I was in Italy and I was getting off of this train with like a group I traveled with, and this was awful, it was like, just like the most sorority frat boy group of 40 white people and then me, and so we're getting off the train, all of them, and I was in the end with this other girl. And as we're exiting the train, no one's getting ticketed. Like the conductor, he's not talking to anyone. And then as I walk out, he's like, let me see your ticket. And I was like, what? And like, he did not stop oh, wow. the single soul. Yeah. And this girl with me was like, no, here's my ticket. He's like, I didn't ask for you, your ticket, pointing directly at me. So I was like, mm, cool. And like, she was trying to fight it. And I was like, girl, don't even, I already know what's going on. Like, let me show the guy the ticket. So that just kind of sucked to be like, wow, I didn't really expect this to happen here. I mean, actually... I'm not surprised that it happened in Italy, but it just was weird that it happened. <laughs> yeah. Do you, it just made me feel like, I don't know, it just made me feel like, whoa, I can't believe that like this kind of crap still happens where people just single you out just because of your skin color. Do you still, do you feel like you experience that often in your everyday life, uh, especially today? I don't think in today's society, 
I feel like it's less of like these outwardly racist things, which those do happen. And like, I've had even during, I was like protesting by myself on like this corner and I was like, my sign said Black Lives Matter. And this white guy was like, no, they don't. And I was like, oh, uh, I did mm. not expect someone to be so outwardly racist. Yeah. That's less common. I think more so it's little things that are like super common. I think a big thing that people don't realize is how anti-Black people are. I've had several friends um, specifically, and I'm not saying, I don't know, I feel like white people like getting tan, so maybe not them as much, but like (laughs) Asian and Latinx communities, it's a very big thing. Like when they get tanned, they're like, oh, I can't get so dark. Or like, I shouldn't be any darker. Oh yeah, that's not white people. White people are like, I want to be dark brown. It's like, calm down, you guys. Calm down. but (laughs) (laughs) But in some of these other communities, I don't think people realize that that's like anti-black it's offensive to me when like I have a friend say like oh my gosh I'm so dark I can't get any darker it's like girl mm. like, what do you know who you're talking to why think about why you're saying that and it's so problematic and do I don't think th- people recognize that as like a like a part of racism I don't think people recognize that that's super messed up that you would say that especially just someone who's black what if a friend of yours were to say that I don't know if this has happened for you if a friend of yours were to say that do you call them on that and and kind of use that opportunity to be like hey you may not realize this but like what you're saying is kind of racist I don't think before I definitely brush it off I had someone say it recently and I'm not necessarily like I didn't call her out saying it's racist but I was just like um there's nothing wrong with being dark first of all yeah yeah (laughs) and just to let people know and I don't think it's like the individual's fault I think it's a community thing like it's just a big thing like Asian countries selling white cream whitening cream and wearing hats and like covering their skin it's like a really big thing and like Latin communities also there's so many people who are Afro-Latino who deny that mess so hard they're like no 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 like we got the (laughs) same hair we got the same hair like yeah it's crazy (laughs) yeah it's tough because I ask that, but I, I'm not implying in any way that it's your responsibility to tell them, oh, obviously. Yeah. I think it's one of those things I think about where I do think there are instances where a lot of people will say things like that and not have any idea that it is hurtful in a way and is like very discriminatory. And it's, I don't know, it's challenging because it's like, how do you get that across to someone that that's offensive and you shouldn't be saying those things, you know? And I think that's part of the struggle that we have in the country in general is that we're so in this mindset of it's not a big deal that I'm saying that. And we don't really take the time to (laughs) try and understand why that could be offensive to a person. Yeah. And it's just a really hard thing too, because some stuff universally like offended the all black people. There's some things that are, but a lot of it is like we're not a monolith. Like for any yeah. race, people have such varying degrees of what's offensive. What I said at the beginning about all lives matter, someone else might come on here and be like, oh my God, like why would anyone ever say that? That is the worst thing you could say. Other people feel way more passionate about different aspects of the movement. So yeah, it's hard. Well, listen, as a as a white lady, I'll be honest, there was a time years ago when I thought the same thing. I was like, I don't understand. I'm like, yeah, all lives matter. What's wrong with people saying that? And I think I had to take a step back. Oh, I see. Okay. Of course, all lives matter. But the problem right now is we're not valuing Black lives. And that's where we need to be putting our focus. So yeah. 
it, it is one of those things where it's like you have to and take people a get step weird because it's a semantics thing it's like semantically of course all lives freaking matter we're not saying your life doesn't right, matter right and i think that's where people get caught up in the semantics of it it's like just just ignore that for right now <laughs> and it's one of those things too where it's like well yeah you're right if all lives matter then you wouldn't have any problem with me saying that black lives matter exactly. i'm not saying black lives are the only lives that matter nobody's saying that um mm-hmm. yeah you went to USC. I'm really curious. Did you go to USC because you wanted to get into comedy? Like, why Why did you get into comedy? What was your draw there? I went to USC just because, you know, like, college board when you're filling out the, I don't know, like, you can put, like, your wants and needs for your school kind of thing. And I was putting in all my needs and wants, and USC is the only school that came up. And that was the first time I ever heard oh, of wow. it. Because really? in the yeah, in the, like in the South, people know about it for football, but it's not really a school I had ever considered. But when it came up, I started researching it. I was like, mm, Sam, sounds like a cool place. <laughs> I just kind of like applied and got in and stuff and got a bunch of grant money. So I was like, why the heck not? But when I got to USC, although I tried stand up once in high school uh, and it was cool, but I was like, I tried it a second time and it went bad. So I was like, never mind. Like I gave up on that dream. When I came to LA and I was in school at USC, I was like, I'm in the city of dreams. And I I was like, let me try the stand-up thing again. Like, I'm out here. I might as well give it a shot. I'm in school still, so it doesn't matter. And I took a class. I took a class with Craig Anton, who was the dad in Phil the Future, for those who might not oh. know him. And he was like Mad TV. He has a bunch of credits. But I took a class with him, and I just really enjoyed it. Uh, our final showcase was in the improv main room, which is, to date, my favorite stage to ever perform in. And I will one day be a regular there. See you yes, later, girl. Rita. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yes, I just started <laughs> doing it. And I just fell in love with it. And like, I took breaks in college. It's hard to be consistent because it's like studying abroad and you get hard classes and stuff. But so when I graduated, that's when I got more serious about it. I All think right. that's when I met you after that. <laughs> yeah. Were you still in college when I met you in stand up? Did we meet in 2019? I think we met in 2019. Yeah, it would have been it would have been like the beginning of 2019. Okay, so that's when I that's when I got serious because I graduated and then I found a job and I was like, let's buckle down. (laughs) Nice. How has your experience been in the world of stand-up? You are both a female and you are a black female in the comedy Mm -hmm. world. And that's a challenging place to be. How has your experience looked? being both those things and do you feel that it's affected you in any way or how do you feel it's affected you as a as a comedian I think some people of minority groups in comedy they don't feel it as much I really think your subject matter can also change how you feel because I do talk about black stuff a lot on stage I mean it's one of my main topics I discuss every single time so (laughs) I think it comes up because if I was going up there and talking about random stuff, then it probably wouldn't feel like it. But I can kind of feel certain times I do certain jokes, like I can feel people like clenching or being weird or like not mm. receiving it. That's one way it affects. And also, I think particularly in LA, there's like a big thing for like, oh, women in comedy, like we need women, women, women. But usually that kind of same thing as feminism, mainly white women is what we need. Mm. So that can be weird. Yeah. Because there's such a big push for that. But it's like I always feel like it's usually like and not even just I mean not just this white black thing but like it's usually white heterosexual cis what you imagine a regular white woman to be like that's what I feel like people 
when they say women in comedy, they're thinking that, but there's so many other groups of people with disabilities and like queer people and black and brown and Asian and all these other groups that I feel like sometimes it can be weird. I think like one particular instance where, you know, sometimes people just go to open mic and you just kind of like, you don't have the material prepped. You're just kind of like, I'm going to just say how I feel right now kind of thing. (laughs) Sometimes it's not funny. I mean, most of the time it's it's a disaster. (laughs) Most times it's a disaster. (laughs) Most times not a good way to do it, but you do it still. And even if people don't laugh, it's like you can kind of feel like they understand. Like you might see head nods apart. Like, okay, I'll work out that premise. So one time I had just seen the movie Just Mercy, which I don't know if you watched that. Oh, I did. I just watched it recently. Great movie. Yeah, it was free for the month of June. I should have rewatched it. But I didn't because it made me so mad when I watched it the first time. In January, I watched it. And then I remember I went to Fanatic Salon for the Friday night, not my Thursday, for Friday night, which is a different crowd. I went there. It is very mainly, different. Mainly white men. That's the crowd for Friday night. So <laughs> why I don't go Friday night. <laughs> so I went there just seeing that movie and I was like, oh man, I don't even know what I said. I had to pull up my notebook, but I know I was ranting and I was telling those white boys, I was like, this is wrong. <laughs> I was going off and not a soul was laughing it was just like dang I was like I know at least one thing I said was funny up there but they were just looking at me like why is like Angela Davis in here right now like we're here for comedy (laughs) so it can be if I do that kind of thing which is like I mean it wasn't funny to begin with but that kind of thing is where I really feel it or if I'm in a room I don't I miss a lot of comics references people be doing a lot of white people specific references that I don't know and everybody oh interesting Oh, wow, is that funny? Like, especially bands, like the obscure bands, like especially old white dudes. Oh, I, I have never no know. Idea. Like, I they don't... just make the randomest references. And I'm like, what? <laughs> and people don't laugh at my references because I'll be using obscure black references and they're like, I don't know what that is. Like, I used to do, <laughs> what was the bit? Actually, it's not obscure. I feel like it's a common thing, but I used to do something about dream girls or something. And I feel like nobody would ever laugh. So I cut it because I was like, you know, know dream girls. Well, actually, I changed it. I changed it from Green Girls, and I changed it to Rent, because I feel like Rent is more, like, when I was in a black room, I would say Dream Girls, but if I was in, like, a regular room, I would just say Rent. Oh, that's interesting. And I feel like it worked that way. I feel like when I made the change, it would get the laughs that it deserved, but now I don't even do that joke, so it doesn't matter. But (laughs) (laughs) That joke is done. Well, that's interesting, too, because I think in comedy in general, you have to really know who your audience is, Mm -hmm. and especially in, in that beginning the beginning time, it's, of course, you're trying to find yourself as a comedian and find your voice, but you also have to tailor your material sometimes to the audience that you're performing in front of, just because otherwise it's never going to land, right? So until you've really established yourself and people know who you are and people are coming because they're like, oh, Alexis, I like her comedy because this is what her comedy is and that's what I'm here to see. It is challenging. You're putting stuff out there that's very true to yourself, but people are just like, what's this girl talking about? I don't relate to that at all. Yeah. I can imagine. Yeah, that's that's frustrating. What about in terms of booking opportunities? I mean, I know you and I are both pretty rookie when it comes to stand-up. Do you feel you've had challenges booking certain shows or do you feel you've been discriminated against in certain ways? because you are a black female comic I don't think so but also I wouldn't know because I think I think where it starts affecting you is higher up than the level I'm at right now so (laughs) 
but you I mean you can see it though it's a it's a guy's club it's like mm-hmm. the guy produced shows like a comic producing another comic they're always guy heavy without a doubt sometimes they'll put women in there but they probably know like two women comics because most of them are like disgusting freaks and nobody wants to be friends with them so they have to like find new women who will come do their shows I don't know because honestly and I've produced a show before and I think as a booker like when I was a booker I never was trying to like bring race into it but also everyone's not me but I I would like a diverse show I would try to make sure guys girls even try to make sure it's not all white people like I would make an effort but I'm also I wasn't booking people just because of their race right because when you're booking a show you always have a heck of people trying to get on it so it's not a matter of like you having to go out and find them it's just a matter of like giving people a chance to be like okay maybe this guy isn't as funny or this girl isn't as funny as this person but like they bring something a different perspective versus that person would bring the exact same perspective of this other guy I have on the show already yeah uh but I definitely have seen a lot of flyers where it's all straight white men's faces or it'll be all white women's faces and I mean when you see that it's kind of like I mean y'all should just have somebody different just for the sake of you don't want to hear the same type of person perspective yeah I mean people have different perspectives like you don't have the same perspective as every white woman in LA but not any of them I think (laughs) you're like I'm actually very No, but um, not that everyone has some perspective, but it's just people like to hear a different voice because Mm -hmm. people have different, the differences within us, like it brings something different to talk about, different subject matter. So I don't know, but I don't, to answer the question in a short, succinct answer, no, I don't think I've personally experienced that, but maybe I have without my knowledge. Yeah. I'm very curious because I think about, I think about myself and just being in comedy as a female and the rooms we walk into typically when it comes to open mics and things like that are predominantly men. Mm-hmm. Um, what is your take on that? When you walk into open mics, when you walk into comedy clubs, especially when you're alone, you're not with a friend or anything like that. I know for me, it, it, like sometimes I like feel cool and confident and other times I'm just like, nobody talk to me. I'm just like, <laughs> don't. I'm terrified inside. I don't show it, but I'm just, I don't feel comfortable here at all. What is your experience with that? The more I do comedy, especially open mics, like when I started going a lot harder, it's very less likely now that I will walk into a room and not know a single soul. Mm, Like I would be very surprised and maybe after quarantine, they'll be different, but like before (laughs) I'd be very surprised if I walked in and I didn't know any of those guys. It's like, okay, this is weird, but that doesn't happen as much anymore so now it's like okay I'll know at least one person I can talk to them who I know is not like not crazy or even if I know they're crazy but keep my distance like, <laughs> right. my friend right now. <laughs> but when I was first getting more serious about it it can be uncomfortable just because you don't know safety wise especially the stuff some of these guys talk about on stage it's like ugh, I don't even want to be in the same room with you like ugh, yeah yeah and I used to go to like some pretty sketchy mics by myself when I first started and I was young like I was 18, 19, going to like freaking garage mic at like 2 a.m. on a Saturday by myself. Oh dear. (laughs) The garage mic that people can't find because it's so hidden. Yeah. Behind food for less, but. (laughs) (laughs) Behind food for less. I feel like somebody went into the wrong garage once. Oh no. You can't miss it. When it's popping, you can't miss it, which I actually like that mic. And now the people who run it uh, or the guy who runs it, like he's nice and I'll go there and I feel safe. 
but people still think it's crazy that I go there by myself. They're like, why are you going there by yourself at 2 a.m.? It's like, because it's the only one open right now. <laughs> it's fine. But um, I haven't really, I know a lot of women in comedy talk about like people harassing them and stuff. I haven't had that a lot. When I do, it's, I feel like I usually get more stuff about Black stuff, and it's usually from Black dudes. But I had like one thing. I had one thing where I was on stage and I used to dress. Well, now I kind of, well, now we don't go on stage. But if we weren't <laughs> going on stage, I would dress somewhat better. But for a period when I was hitting a lot of open mics, I would just dress as least attractive as possible. Just the baggiest stuff I could put on. Because like what we were just talking about going alone as a woman, it's like, let's not try to say we're not that it's my responsibility and men should be able to control themselves because they're not animals but knowing the knowledge we have I was like let me right. try to tone down the sexy put it in a box <laughs> and I was on the stage talking I was talking about something I don't know I was talking about my physical appearance of some sort and the guy after me came on stage and he's like that girl dressed like she don't want no beep. so inappropriate so inappropriate yeah. these guys and are. I was just like um sir who asked you like what wow and I think guys do that or like being brought up to the stage of like oh it's the best looking comic in the room da, da, da. it's like don't yeah. do that guys are it's just, just annoying because then you have to like find it in yourself to be like okay let's address this and then get rid of that so I can get on to my real material I think what's helpful I mean I know you pretty well and I think you are a very positive person I think you're a really intelligent strong woman right and so it's like when you hear these things I think you do a really good job of overcoming it I suppose you could say and not letting it affect you and also just not not taking crap from people being like dude like that's not that's not cool but also not letting it take away from your comedy but that's not an easy thing to do yeah it's weird I'm actually in a place now where this is kind of psychotic but I actually like when people say crazy stuff to me now because I'm like material like (laughs) yes I'm with you on that so anytime a guy says something crazy to me now, I'm like, you're just helping me out. Or if someone's insulting me or anything that's like negative, I'm like, I'm not going to dwell on this. You're not going to upset me. You're not going to take my mood away. I'm going to use what you tried to use to destroy me. And I'm going to make a joke. And then you're going to feel stupid because you helping me get rich. Okay. Well, and honestly, I feel like you should take it as a compliment because anytime that someone is talking to you in that way, it's coming from a place of insecurity, I think. And I think they mm-hmm. see how talented you are and they're just like well what can I do to put this person down and make myself feel better and so it's kind of like like oh thanks for the compliment yeah I'm really good so yeah good way of thinking about it the last question I have for you I ask these questions because I don't want to assume anything so first part of this question Alexis do you believe that white privilege exists yes okay How would you respond and how would you, in your own words, describe white privilege to someone who doesn't believe that it's a thing? Good question. I would describe it as kind of like, this is hard. I should have thought of this one more. (laughs) Okay. Take your time. Take your time. White privilege is you getting a head start for a certain aspect of the race. And I think what people get distracted by is when they hear white privilege, they think, 
oh, you think my life is easy? You think I don't have it hard? You think blah, blah, blah. Well, my mom was a crackhead and I used to be an alcoholic. It's like, yo, I'm not denying all the bad things that happened in your life because what I have learned in comedy is a lot of bad stuff happens to white people. I'm like, what hurts y'all? Like, are y'all okay? Because so many people open mics, they be telling their whole life. And I'm like, yo, oh, are you bad. good? It's are bad you good out there. <laughs> so I know that not all white people have an easy, perfect life. And that's not what white privilege means. White privilege means for this one aspect, specifically race, you don't have to worry about being treated any kind of way because of the color of your skin. That doesn't mean you can't be poor. That doesn't mean you can't have a hard life because of your sexuality. It doesn't mean that your religion or your lack thereof makes you treated differently. It literally just means this is one facet of your life that you don't have to worry about. And I, I can understand why people get upset because even myself i'm still learning that you know being lighter skinned as a black person i have privilege and it's very similar to white privilege you're treated better than darker skinned black people because Mm. of the lightness of your skin i feel like when people first started telling me that similar to white people i got defensive it's like what are you talking about i'm black like it ain't and it's like no chill you are treated better People do think you're less threatening. People like your hair better. Your hair is easier. It's more fits into the standard. You're seen on TV more. These things are real. Yeah. And I don't think that getting defensive about it helps anyone, even though it, it does suck. It sucks too. But I think people just have to understand it's very compartmentalized area. It doesn't mean overall that you're privileged. I mean, you are, but we all have privileges in certain ways. <laughs> but yeah. It doesn't mean that your life isn't hard or that you haven't done gone through anything hard. And I think it's just weird. The word privilege to people, it makes them think of their whole life. They can't accept that it's like different levels, it's levels to this ish, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Alexis, I think that was a great answer. Thank you. I tried really hard. <laughs> Such a good job. I know that was really challenging for you, but I loved it. <laughs> Is there, is there anything else, Alexis, you have this platform? Is there anything you want to leave listeners with today? If I could leave you all with anything, just actively try to be honest with yourself. I think that's what's the most helpful right now. Whatever ism or obic thing that you feel like you are or that you're struggling with, just try to be honest with yourself and be like, hey, you know what? I actually am not super comfortable with black people. Like I have a lot of issues, whether it's from my childhood or my parents taught me something or even like homelessness or disabilities. Maybe you feel uncomfortable around people with mental disorders, whatever your thing is, don't lie about it. Now I'm not saying post a Facebook novel about how I don't understand these black people. Don't do that now. Don't do that. (laughs) That ain't right. But be honest with yourself, find friends who you can confide in and talk it out and just be honest with what you're trying to unlearn and what you're trying to better yourself as because lying about it, all of us pretending like we're all social justice warriors overnight, that's not helping anybody. It's not helping anybody become a better person. It's just making people afraid to talk about how they really feel. So that's my advice to you all listening. Alexis, thank you so much for being on the show. You were wonderful. Thank you. Thank you. What the heck, Lizzie Beck, for having me. (laughs) Of course. Anytime. Anytime. Thanks for being on the show. Everyone else, thank you for listening. Alexis, do you have anything you would like to plug? I know the world is shut down, so you probably 
don't have live shows, but are you in any Zoom shows? Uh, what are your social media handles? Tell everyone where they can find you, all that fun stuff. Yeah, you can find me at Alexis Bradby pretty much on anything, TikTok, Twitter, Insta, Facebook fan page, Alexis Bradby Comedy, and YouTube, Alexis Bradby. If you just search Google Alexis Bradby, I am the person who comes up because that is how Google SEO works, okay, baby? <laughs> search engine optimization. I'm the first one. Look her up. And Bradby um, is B-R-A-D-B-Y. Correct? Yes, correct. D is in dog, B is in boy, Y. That's how we do it. Alexis, thank you again. Uh, everyone else, thank you for listening. If you haven't already, please subscribe to the podcast. We are on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, iHeartRadio. We're all over the place. I don't know. Find awesome. it, subscribe, like it, share with your friends. If you care to follow me on social media, you're welcome to do that. I am Lizzie Beck, L I Z Z I E. B-O-E-C-K on both Instagram and Facebook. And that's it. We'll see you all next time. <laughs> Yay, thank you. La 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 la. La 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 la. La 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 la. Do 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 do.